and Talk. Hey, welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is Alex, and we are here talking about God's Word because we believe that's one of the best ways to grow up in our faith and learn more, and we are on a journey to spiritual maturity, and we're here gathering around the Bible, just encouraging each other in conversation and that growth. So that's what we're up to here today, and uh, like I said, I'm Alex, and I am a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. Today with me, I have a special guest, someone that I'm growing into a stronger friendship with as the days go on, and his name is Philip Doublestein. Philip, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, no problem. Uh, It's good to have you. And Philip, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Where do you come from? (laughs) And where are we going? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, so I was uh, born and raised in um, in Holotus, Texas, and uh, grew up here. Went to Concordia, Chicago for undergrad. I did a little bit of grad work there, majored in theological languages, and so... There was only one other thing that I could do is go to seminary. Um, so I uh, went to seminary at St. Louis and spent my first four years um, as a pastor, four and a half years as a pastor um, in Peoria, Illinois at Redeemer Lutheran Church. And then I received a call to come back to the San Antonio area and uh, work with my high school mentor, uh, Pastor Eli Prieto um, with Link San Antonio. So um, I'm here to plant a church here in San Antonio to, to plant a church. And my wife and I just uh, moved to the south side of town and we're, we're kind of near the Brooks area. So that's where we're, that's where we'll be planting this church um, when we get out of this uh, coronavirus pandemic era. Um, there's still been some progress that we're, that we're making and we have a group that's meeting. And in fact, we have a meeting tomorrow, but, uh, but we've, uh, you know, understandably, had to do some things out of order mm-hmm. because because of uh, the stay at home and not face to face stuff. So, right. uh, yeah, that's me in a nutshell uh, professionally. Uh, anyway, my uh, my wife's name is Kate, and uh, we have a son Wyatt. He's a little over two years old, and nice. we've got a second one on the way. And very good. And little Gus should be here in uh, just a few short weeks. My wife's due Whoa. on. June 2nd, so a month from two days ago, I guess. Uh, wow, I did not know that, Phil. Yeah, any day now. So we like to uh, we like to condense all the major life milestones <laughs> into <laughs> into a really short period of time. So we've moved into our house, we're planting a church, and we're having our second child. Yeah, it's, uh, wow. it's really nice. Wow, that's funny. Hey, I love uh, that you're planning a church, and uh, tell us a little bit about Link. Because I hear about Link in Houston, and they are defined uh, pretty. Their 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 focus is more clearly defined around uh, like cross cultural ministry, and then there's Link in San Antonio. So, what is Link? Kind of give us a you know maybe a brief explanation of of what's going on with that organization. Well, sure. Um, so, Link stands for Lutheran Intercity Network Coalition. And uh, yeah, there's a link in Houston and there are several other links around the country. Um, and they are, they don't really have a whole lot to do with each other. 
Um, okay. They were started under the same sort of vision, um, but each each one uh, is run independently. Um, so where where Houston, um, you said that they they do some cross cultural stuff, and I know that that's a big focus for them. They also, I believe, have planted some churches. Um, uh, here in San Antonio, we're, we have a similar focus, um, cross-cultural, okay. absolutely. Um, uh, I told you that our executive director, Eli, uh, Pastor Eli Prieto, um, he has um, started a sort of a training institute. It's called the His- Hispanic Bible Institute, okay. um, and it's a, it's a non-denominational thing, um, but it's, it's where guys who primarily speak Spanish, uh, who most of them are from Mexico, but there are some from, uh, Central American countries too. Uh, they, they get together and they receive formal education, um, uh, to be, you know, in, in theology. So, um, nice. yeah. So I think that there's probably 20 or 25 people going through there and it's all in Spanish. Um, but link does a, a lot more than just that. So, um, you know, homeless ministry, uh, we do a youth group, latchkey kid stuff. Um, uh, we, we try to support parents. Um, what I'm really excited about, and I'm, I, I'm not sure if this is on hold. Um, it just depends on if churches are planning to do VBS this summer. Um, but we are going to be piggybacking on uh, VBS at one of the area churches here um, to, to put on a, a VBS for children with special needs. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a, a experimental mission ministries. Okay. Um, That's and, a good way of describing it. I, I would think, yeah, I yeah. think so. Now, and when we say experimental, sometimes we, we think short-term, and we certainly do some short-term stuff, but we also do uh, long-term things. Like I said, right. that historic Hispanic Bible Institute, the, uh, all, that, all the homeless ministry stuff and parent support and children's ministry stuff, that, that goes on all the time. Um, yeah. Okay. But, uh, but so the yeah. experiments that end up working out, they become more staples in the ministry. That's right. There you go. Um, and uh, because it's experimental, it means that we work with a lot of different people. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how this idea of church planting kind of got started is uh, we have a lot of connections. And um, the, the research says that um, that a church plant grows 300, you know, 300 percent faster um, than than an existing congregation that goes through revitalization. Yeah. Um, so so new churches reach new people. Um, and so we use our 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 deep roots. Link San Antonio started about 11 years ago um, and has only had uh, one executive director, I believe, uh, Pastor Prieto is the only executive director, but um, he came in in 2011 and it started in 2009. So they might have some other, uh, they, they definitely had some other leadership before that, but using those connections to um, to bring the gospel in front of new people. Um, you know, our motto is linking people to people, linking people to Christ. And nice. that's what, what that's what we've been doing for um 11 years and we're looking to to add church planting is into that um legacy as well cool well um it's, you know actually you know link san antonio might have been going for 11 years but the idea of linking people to people is ancient and as old as the beginning of the world and actually did you know phil that deuteronomy is a book about church planting 
I see what you did there. Yeah. That's a great transition. It is. <laughs> it is. But it, it becomes less of a, a smooth segue when we talk about it. Um, uh, you know, so, so don't tell everyone my tricks here, but, okay. uh, today, <laughs> today we are going to dive into the book of Deuteronomy, like I said, and we are going to cover the readings, one of the readings that was technically from last week, uh, but the rest of the readings, uh, for this week, uh, that way we started Deuteronomy in one episode and it was all Deuteronomy. So we weren't uh, ending numbers and starting Deuteronomy in last week's episode. So we reserved eight chapters of Deuteronomy today. Deuteronomy one through eight is what we're covering today. And let's do a quick overview of what's going on here. Starting with chapter one. So basically, uh, the Israelites, the new generation of Israelites, are getting ready to enter the promised land, and Moses is telling them all of these uh, things before they get ready to plant themselves into the promised land. There's the church planting, and this is what God has commanded them to do. So the first chapter, it says, uh, it starts with Moses kind of reminding them of what has happened. He said, first of all, there are all these, these problems, and um, <laughs> and uh, what we did was we set up a system. We set up wise people among you to kind of uh, be people who, who judge and help mediate uh, between uh, the issues and conflicts within our community. And if it was really serious, you could take it to me. And so he's reminding them of kind of the government, so to speak, of what they've set up in their community. And then he begins talking about uh, Israel's history and how they were delivered from Egypt, how they went to uh, Mount Sinai and received God's law, how they uh, went through the wilderness. And, uh, you know, then they they made it through the wilderness. Um, they tried to uh, be at peace with as many people as possible, just kind of, hey, we're just kind of passing by. Some kings did not like that so much, and they initiated a battle with the people of Israel, to which God told them, don't fear them. I got your back, and he most certainly did. Then Moses kind of jumps into, uh, in chapter 4 and 5, these commandments. And uh, this is kind of where the book of Deuteronomy gets its name. Deuteronomy means second law, which is kind of a misnomer in a way, because there is, there's only one law of God, but Moses is just repeating it another time before they go into the land. And then chapter 6 is the greatest commandment. Uh, love the Lord your God with, with everything that is in you, what we call the Shema, because it begins with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the Shema. And then he finishes off by reminding them who they are, that God has chosen you, you're a chosen people, and he's giving you this land. So when you go into this land, do what God tells you to do. Uh, and remember what God has done for you. Remember God's faithfulness so that when you begin to question, is this really what we should be doing? Uh, when you begin to uh, have temptations of disobedience, you remember what God has done and how faithful he's been this whole time. And you listen and trust in what God has said. So Moses is offering words of encouragement, words of warning, words of reminder as they begin to enter the promised land. So, that is an overview. 
Is there anything in particular that stood out to you, Phil? Oh man, where do we start? There's a lot. I mean, you gave me eight chapters of, uh, of Deuteronomy and I was, I was going through just highlighting things that I wanted to make a point of today. And, and I can hardly see the text on my page cause these pages are so thin and I marked them all up. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, Let's see. Well, there there are two things, and, and it depends on what direction you really want to go in, because um, wherever the spirit leads, brother. Yeah. Uh, so there's <laughs> there's there's stuff about uh, covenant in here. Um, some things that have been completed, things that are, are about to be completed. Um, you know, I, I like to to think about. Uh, some of the things that are really, really foreign um, to to every you know everyday readers, and even myself as I as I you know kind of go through things um, in chapter one, mm-hmm. and and then in, in subsequent chapters they talk about or Moses or or the the person who's been writing this part here um, says in verse twenty eight, um, where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. Uh, they say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. Now, Alex, do you know what Anakites are? I don't know what Anakites are. <laughs> no, I did not so look you, into it. So you probably know uh, them by by their cousin's name, which are the, the Nephilim. Okay. Um, I have and, heard of Nephilim before. Right. right. So Nephilim, these, they're, they're said to have been... Uh, giants right and so um there are really only two biblical references to the nephilim which one is in genesis and one is in numbers hmm. um and there are these people of of huge size and and the anakites were said to have de- descended from them um now we don't know exactly uh we can we can speculate um what exactly they are um some historians say that they're sons of god right Um, so they're like righteous men who married, you know, female descendants of Cain, that sort of thing. Uh, other, other scholars argue that, uh, these, these sort of sons of God, these Nephilim, uh, were Kings who took multiple wives in order to build dynasties, um, from their, their numerous descendants. But what, whatever they, whatever they are, um, some people say that they're, they were uh, like fallen angels who okay. um, who had children with with human women. I don't know um, if I believe that option. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a there's a whole lot of uh, of, of speculation about it, um, and just just who they were and what they why they why they died out. Hmm. Um, in fact, uh, in in one of the in, in chapter three. Um, if you flip over to chapter three, it, it, it talks a little bit more explicitly about this in, in verse 10 of chapter three. Um, so the, the Israelites took all the towns on the plateau and all Gilead and all Bashan as far as Saleka uh, and and Edri, towns of Og's kingdom in Bashan. Only Og, king of Bashan, was left of the remnant of the uh, Rephites. Um, and the Rephites are also these descendants of the Nephilim. Um, and it says his bed was made of iron and was more than 13 feet long and six feet wide. Oh, okay. I was Um, actually wondering, like, why are they telling me how long his bed is? (laughs) Right. Well, and, and, well, and, and so the the word bed right there, uh, could be, could be, uh, uh, um, 
one of those idioms um, okay. from Hebrew that also means could mean as coffin. Oh wow. Okay. Um, so, but but either way, uh, 13 feet long by six feet wide. Right. This this guy is huge. And yeah. and so if you want to bring it to a more familiar story. Um, these are the type of people that, uh, we believe the Bible is writing about when they mention Goliath right. in okay. the, in the David and Goliath story. So, so Goliath would have been one of these descendants as well. Um, 400 years later. Right. Interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, I would like to do a little bit more study on, on that. Um, I'm sure that there have been tomes written, um, about just exactly what, what these human humanoid, um, people were, right? Yeah. Well, I, you know, something I was thinking about as you were mentioning that, and then also referencing the, the thing in chapter three, because chapter three is talking about how they defeated, uh, the people under King Og. And, mm-hmm. um, so it really kind of emphasizes that, uh, while these people were, you know, very large and, and fierce and strong people, uh, they could fight well. You know, even the story of David and Goliath, when God is on your side, when God has his plan and his will, that he, he, he will accomplish it. And so God is giving them, actually Moses is reminding them of how God was faithful to his word, even though it seemed impossible that they were going to defeat these people at that time. And even though it seems impossible that they're going to defeat all the people in the promised land, Moses is saying, look at the evidence. Look at our history. You were there. You saw it happen. It, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, the eyewitnesses of Jesus. You know, we're in the season of Easter right now, and it, it's Peter speaking to the church at Acts, at Pentecost, saying, Listen, you were there. You crucified him. You, you, he, he's risen from the dead. We were there. We saw it with our own eyes. And so, um, anyways, it, it just kind of reminds me of, you know, how God is, 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 he's not a God that just says, well, believe me just because. He, he certainly could. But he's a God that gives us, you know, evidence after evidence, and he, he proves himself over and over and over again to us. And he doesn't even have to because he's, he's God. He can do whatever he wants, but he still comes down and meets us where we're at and gives us all the more reason uh, to trust in his faithfulness. Right. So. Well, and I, I think that I think that a lot of this, uh, this these eight chapters deal with God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Right. He, he is he is not only sovereign among people in this world, but he is sovereign even into the, the spiritual realm. Um, and, and, and there's just a really small hint. And this is the second thing that kind of stood out to me as being a particular interest in chapter four, um, verse in verse, um, 19 and 20, uh, they're talking about idolatry. Um, and Moses is telling people, and when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. Mm. So, so it seems like, um, and and we could go back. Um, I, I want to uh, just recommend if you're really interested in some of these uh, the spiritual realm sort of stuff. 
Um, Dr. Michael Heisler has a really great book out there called The Unseen Realm. Okay. Um, and he goes into the details about what happened at Babel. Um, mm. I mean, more than that, but, but he says, you know, when, when God scatters people on the face of the earth, um, he, he puts some sort of, there is some sort of spiritual force that, uh, uh, that has certain locations and certain peoples, um, apportioned to them. And that's what, that's what Moses is saying right here is that, yeah, there is something going on in the spiritual realm and these people are, are worshiping their idols, but God is the sovereign. God can mm. do what he wants. When, when Yahweh says, I'm going to do something, nothing else can stand in their way, right? No, no matter if these are fallen angels and, and you guys read the book and, and come to your, your own conclusions. I, I, I'm very convinced of, uh, what this guy has researched, but, um, but we don't have time to get into all of it today because uh, <laughs> it's I, I, I'm pretty sure I've been reading it on audiobook and, and I want to buy the hard copy. But I'm I'm pretty sure it's got to be three or four hundred pages because oh, wow. it's taken me forever to get through. But uh, <laughs> well researched and, and to the point that um, whoever is in charge of these these peoples, um, spiritually speaking, um, it's not Yahweh. Right. And so if they're if they're worshiping the sun, it's because at, at Babel, right, uh, God dispersed the people and there is a spiritual um, ownership there. Um, and so when when Yahweh's people come into this land to possess it, um, they are displacing and reclaiming uh, a land that had been invaded by not just people groups, but also spiritual entities as well. And so mm. that's why God that's why God has to continually tell them you will you will be enticed. But right. don't but don't do it, right? Um because he goes on in verse 20 of chapter 4, but as for you the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace out of Egypt to be the people of his inheritance as you are now. So so God's saying, look, I I chose you and I am above all of this. I brought you out. And it's just what you said is he's pointing them back to remember, 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 because not even the gods of this powerful kingdom, which people would have understood at that time, meaning powerful gods, not even mm, these powerful okay. gods of the, of the Egyptians uh, could contain the one Yahweh when he made his mind up to do something. Right. Yeah. Nice. And, and that insight on, on the, the, the tower of Babel too. And, and that, that was really cool because, you know, a lot of times we think of like, Oh, Israel's just going in and, and, and God's saying here, invade this land. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm giving it to you. And we kind of, we kind of look at that and say, Whoa, Whoa. You know, um, and, and Emily and I, kind of talked about this last week, um, the idea of like, you know, it's seeming really harsh that God's telling them to go in and conquer everything and kill everyone and, uh, you know, completely take over, which they actually don't obey God in that uh, uh, command that he gives them uh, all the time. Uh, but he's saying, devote these cities to destruction. Um and uh, it, it's sometimes it, it's helpful to take a step back and realize, well, first of all, this whole thing belonged to God anyways, and these people are 
have been claiming it as if in in the name of their own spiritual entities, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's always that's another good point to consider when maybe we're struggling with the idea of God, uh, you know, commanding His people to go into the land and and just can destroy everything so they can take over, um, you know, the the promised land. So. Yeah, I, I think you you make a. I mean, you, you kind of pushing right into into the next question question right. that we're we're supposed to be getting into. Is there anything that gives great great concern? Um, and, and I think that that that's true. I, I don't think we could get through the f- first eight chapters of Deuteronomy without saying, "Man, it uh, it, it looks pretty brutal." If we're being honest, yeah. right? Um, yeah. You know. In, in chapter 2, verse 34, at that time we took all his towns and completely destroyed them, men, women, and children. We left no survivors. But the livestock and the plunder from the towns we had captured, we carried off for right. ourselves. So so they, <laughs> they kill everyone, and they take all their stuff, and then they just keep moving. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's... Uh, it's one of those things that, that, that should give us pause, Sure. Um, because the 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 next question we'll talk about, I think, is the sort of the the balm, the salve to to um, remind us just what kind of God we do have. Um, right. But this this seems, I mean, this this seems brutal, right? Sure. Um, and and it seems almost brutal uh, that what God is doing to the people of Israel in the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is a fun fact. Um, until probably about three or four years ago, when I when I sat down to make it through all the way through the Pentateuch. Um, Tell us what that I, is again for our uh, listeners. The, the, fir- the first five uh, books of the Bible, right? Pen- okay. Pen- Pentateuch, like Pentagon Five. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you know that, Alex. Um, thanks well, for, I do. But... Thanks for reminding me to uh, the the jargon there. Um, yeah. yeah. So reading through. Um, I, before I read the, through, I, I always thought, um, well, yeah, the reason why Moses can't get into the promised land is because he sinned. And I guess I thought that that had something to do with them wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's I, I was wrong. And so I just want to point that out to, to people is uh, the reason why the Israelites were, were wandering around for 40 years is is right there at the end of chapter one. Um the Lord says, don't get up and fight because I will not be with you. Um, so I told you, but you wouldn't listen. And you rebelled against the Lord's command and your arrogance, and you marched up into the hill country. And then the Amorites came down and, and chased you out. Uh, and you came back here and wept in front of the Lord, but he paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you. Hmm. Uh, and then and then if you go into chapter 2, it says in, in verse 14, 38 years passed from the time we left that place until we crossed the Zared uh, Valley. By then, the, that entire generation of fighting men had perished from the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. So, so the reason why they're wandering around in the desert for 40 years is because there's a whole generation of warriors right. who, who, who had seen everything that God had done. And knew and knew what it was like to listen to his voice and follow him and still didn't do it. And so they could have they could have had a really easy like one or two year trip, (laughs) it seems. (laughs) Um, But now they got to wait 38 more years. So they're out there for 40 years. Um, And 
and that gives me that gives me a little bit of of concern but then we have to still go go back it's almost like this whole thing is out of order but it's only out of order from our perspective sure. if we're unfamiliar with it because at the in in verse in chapter 1 verse 10 the lord your god has increased your numbers so that today you are as many as the stars in the sky mm. Mo- moses is is telling these people he's saying look god is making good on his covenant there's already a there's already a box that we can check off, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. He he told he told Abraham your your forefather that he was going to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And look, you are. Yeah. So so God is completing this covenant with you. And guess what? There is another part of this covenant, and you need to get ready for it because it's not yeah. going to be easy. Hmm. You're going to see a lot of things that you wish you hadn't seen. You're going to do a lot of things that is going to require mm. God to heal you. you know, right. right. I yeah. mean, you think, think about, think about if, if you had to kill a child, right. You, yeah. you would, you would need God to, you would need that reassurance that, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't know if I could do it, to be honest. I right. don't, I don't, I don't think I could do it. I, I would, I would hate that if that was my lot in life. Right. Well, I mean, you know, and, and that is that is really hard. And, and the thing that, you know, I always remind people of, sometimes, you know, people come to me and say, you know, what about this verse in the Bible? And, uh, you know, because they're really struggling with it. And I always talk about how, you know, we want to point to the clearer passages to help us interpret the less clear one, or this idea of the hidden God being the things about God that we question but can't answer those questions, but the revealed God is revealed in Jesus Christ and his desire to restore all things, um, including, you know, having households, fathers, mothers, and their children be a part of God's family. That's what God wants. And so it's important to remember that when we're also reading about these things, I think. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it is true that they, they killed children and, and women, and the temptation is to try to, you know, I don't know how much of a justification or defense for God's action we can really give uh, in terms of historical evidence or uh, even evidence that we see within uh, Scripture itself. Uh, we might not be able to do, to do that. It's not necessarily our job to defend God, but... Uh, I like how you're placing yourself in their shoes and realizing, yeah, it would really require listening to God and and remembering, okay, God is faithful. God is faithful. What he says goes, and what he mm-hmm. says is right. And uh, so, all right, I'm going to go here. Uh, I'm going to ask a question. Uh, a friend of mine and I have, have debated this for some time, um, and... Uh, we've talked about how God commanded them to go in and, and kill people. Uh, so I guess is, is, I guess the question that I've struggled with is, well, isn't, isn't death part of not the intention? Doesn't God not want people to die? Isn't death just creation rebelling against God as the wages of sin? And if so, doesn't that mean like in, you know, causing someone to die by killing them, even if it's for a just cause, isn't there some sin involved in there? And so is is God 
telling people to do things that contribute to the brokenness of this world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, is I think, God, I, hear, I, think yeah, I hear you. Is God uh, purposefully telling them to do something that they might sin in doing? You know, well, I guess, I guess it just how can a human on... kill without having sin in their heart and mind? Sure. Um, well, I, I do think it can be done. For example, if you are defending your your family, right, as a as the head of your household, if okay. if, if something's about to um, kill or hurt your your spouse, your child, mm-hmm. um, it, I think it would be sinful to abandon your post as husband, right? Okay. I'm just thinking about myself, abandon right. your post as husband and say, no, you do whatever you want. Um, no, it's your, it's your job to end the threat, right? Mm-hmm. And to, and to protect what God has given you. Um, yeah. uh, you don't think now, there's any sin involved in that at all? Because of us being sinful creatures, all your deeds are like filthy rags? Well, I, obviously... Well, I guess we're sinners that, at all times. <laughs> everything yeah. that we do is tainted by sin. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, I think that the the something that maybe needs a little bit more clarity in that question is um, the wages of sin is death. So it's it's so okay. when 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 God comes in and he and he tells the people of Israel, you know, wholesale slaughter. You, you're this is going to be your land. There will be no more claimants to it. Um, God is is essentially exacting justice um, through the people of Israel. Right. Uh, I I deserve death. You deserve death. Right. Because of sin, we we all deserve it. Right. Right. And so. And so mm, when it okay. when it comes when it comes to us and and if if God says hey now is your time um, and somebody you know rolls up and 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 I don't know shoots you or what I don't know whatever um, I don't know if you can use that in a <laughs> podcast <laughs> if 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 your if your life gets taken you yeah. can't you can't meet God and say God I didn't deserve this right yeah right I mean yeah. you can't stand before the sovereign sinless God and, and say I didn't deserve death you you thank him for all the days that he gave you hmm. um, is is really kind of how it comes down to so um, so I don't think that we need to defend God when okay. his when his actions look like what we would call evil because okay. when when God's actions look evil this is what Martin Luther says in the uh, Heidelberg dispute. When God's actions look evil, they are more likely um, the you know the the redemption of the world. I forget the exact quote. Um, and when humans do good, it's more likely that we're doing a mortal sin. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what Luther writes. Right. Um, so yeah. Well, that's a good point, and and something that that causes me to to re remember. I guess I only have to say one re remember. Um, is when we read Scripture. That's why we read God's Word. That's why we should talk about God's Word. That's what this podcast is all about, approaching the hard questions and struggling with what we see in the Bible. Because when we do, we come, I, I don't know, in my opinion, a fork in the road. We can either you know, continue to place our own uh, subjective you know, feelings and thoughts on to, and we always come to uh, reading scripture in that kind of way. There's always going to be 
you know, something that we, we bring to it, but we can continue like trying to force our own viewpoint or our own agenda, our own lens on what we see God doing in scripture or what we see happening. Or we can say, well, what does this mean? And how am I going to, you know, follow God? How am I going to, you know, continue to yield to, to his way of communicating the reality of the world to me. And so um, I always remind myself that, you know, we read the Bible to better understand reality. And God is telling us in Deuteronomy and all of the Bible, here's how it really is. Everyone deserves death. And in that reality, I have placed the very worst case scenario, the full amount of my wrath onto Jesus and now that wrath has been carried out completely onto him and so I guess something I had heard one time is that the very worst thing to ever happen the the most evil thing to ever happen happened to Jesus on the cross and Mm -hmm. uh, everything that we are granted every moment that we have where we're not surrounded by chaotic evil um, is, is a moment that we know every moment that we live in our lives is the moment that we know God is upholding us in his creation. Even when bad things happen to us, God is still sovereign. He's still upholding us and he's not abandoned us. And so he promises us that because if he did abandon us, then it would look like Jesus on the cross, which is not just physical pain or suffering, but spiritual suffering of the full wrath of God. So I think that's the point I'm trying to make is, well, when we go to scripture, we're asking God, God, redirect me, reorient me to see things the way that you see them. And, And kind of what you're saying with the Martin Luther quote is that, well, when things don't seem right to us about what God is doing, that means that we're not seeing it the right way. Um, so, right. Right. Um, and, and the beautiful thing about this passage that, you know, all your listeners are are reading through is in chapter seven, God tells us exactly what he wants us to think about him. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of violence going on right now. Um, and, and you guys need to, uh, Moses is telling him, like God, God is telling his people through Moses, you, you need to, you need to hold on tight because it's going to be a bumpy ride. But mm-hmm. I want you to know, I want you to know this about me. And he starts with, in verse five, he says, this is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, uh, burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of all. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. And he goes on and says and, and says all of these things that he's going to bless them with. How does God want to be known? By his love. Yeah. 
and and you can you can look back and and several secular scholars and atheist scholars have looked at this at this document that we have in front of us the the old testament and said this god is is evil and and misogynistic and racist and all this sort of thing and they they missed the point entirely the the only reason why any of this happens is because god loves his people yeah um and in a broken world, perfect love is often painful. Hmm. Right? Yeah. That is, yeah, that's interesting. I, I like, can you say that one more time? I said in, in a broken world, perfect love is often painful. Yeah. And, and that's because it means that, you know, this kind of reminds me of like even what we teach on baptism. You know, we're, we're, God says, I desire not the death of the sinner, but that he would turn and live. And so he's killing the sin in us. And that, that's painful because, you know, when God's perfect love is applied to us, well, I mean, even think of Jesus on the cross. I keep, you know, we keep going back to Christ. We, we have to. This yeah. points to Christ and that perfect love displayed to us, perfect love given to us, perfect love covering us is completely painful because there's a price to pay for it because of the brokenness of this world. Yeah. I I really like that. That's awesome. Uh, that gives me hope. Um, and, uh, we're getting a little close to time, but, uh, one other thing that I want to hit on, um, is the Shema and that's in chapter chapter six. Six. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Oh yeah. It is in chapter six. Yeah. Six four. I, there was a four in there somewhere. <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, chapter six, Shema verse Yisrael, four. Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Chad. All right, you're freaking us yeah. out, Phil. Okay, <laughs> um, but anyways, what Phil is, is is saying is Hebrew, and in Hebrew, the word for listen, or some versions uh, translate this as hear, is the word Shema, and it doesn't mean just listen, as in let the sound waves come into your ears and, you know, just, you know, know what's going on. It's saying, listen and hear as in, hear what's being said and obey it. It's saying, live it out. That, the you know, when you want your children or people that you're supervising or whatever it is, you want them to listen to you. What you mean is you want them to obey you. Um, and so that's how you know that you're really being listened to. And that's what God is asking of his people. Well, he's not asking. He's commanding. Uh, but anyways, he reminds them, first of all, he is God, who he is. And he's saying, uh, love me with everything that is in you. And the part that I love to emphasize all the time is when he says when he emphasizes the uh, the um, continuous nature of learning and reminding uh, one oneself and, and one's family about what God has commanded them to do, and this is a big verse to to um, to use um, in order to emphasize like Sunday school and teaching, especially of of children. I love kids ministry. And uh, that, that, in my opinion, is one of the most important things we can devote our time to, because 
this is what the Israelites did. This is what God commanded them to do. And when your kids ask you, what is the meaning of all this? That's a teachable moment. You get to have these teaching moments. And the really cool thing is that God always, he doesn't have to include his people in on these kinds of things, but he always does his work through people. He loves to include his people in on his work, and he's tasking parents and guardians and family members with the work of um, choosing people, with the work of reminding them that they have been chosen by God. So that's something I think about when I look at chapter 6. What do you think about, Phil? What stands out to you uh, with the Shema? Um, Well, I I know that... uh pious Jews um, still recite this every day and they do it in the in the original Hebrew and I think they set it to, to some music too um, but this is a this is you know it's the same they use it the same way that we use like the Apostles Creed the Nicene Creed okay um, so where we have several several lines uh, to memorize as confirmation students or even before um, you know in the Jewish faith hero Israel the Lord your God the Lord is one that is that is the, their confession of faith, right? Um, okay, and uh, and so and so it seems um, that God's command um, in verse seven impress this on your children. Uh, talk about God's commands when you sit at home and when you walk along on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Um, it seems like this worked <laughs> uh, right. because they they still use it. Um, and, and I think we should, we, we can use it too. I mean, it's right. It's, it's, it's our book as well. Um, it is the history of how God has made us his people, um, and, and the way that God loves us. So hero Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. That, that's what stands out to me. Um, this mm. is my faith too. Right. And that uh, reminds me also of how Moses in the whole time that he's recounting and, and reciting the history of Israel to the younger generation, or the new generation, I should say. He's saying, this is what happened. You, God brought you out of Egypt, and then you wandered in the wilderness. And where they, some of them may not have actually been there. However, mm-hmm. Moses is saying, you did this or you were a part of this. And it's a good reminder for us, you know, Peter says to the, the people and at Pentecost, you crucified Jesus. You allowed this to happen. You can uh, be a part of this, uh, this family right now. And uh, it's the same way that God speaks to us today. Uh, he says, mm-hmm. I, I choose you, and, and, and this history is now yours. Uh, because in Jesus, Israel, Jesus is Israel down to one, uh, reduced down to one man, and he perfectly fulfills uh, the the commands God has given to his chosen people. And uh, Jesus is the chosen Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. And because of that, when Jesus says to us, I choose you, that means we are now adopted into this family. We are a part of the new Israel. And the words of Moses, when he says, God brought you out of Egypt, we can look at that and say, yep, that's my history, because that's my God, and this is the family that he's now made me a part of uh, by the work of his son. 
Uh, so I think that's important to remember that, you know, a lot of times these Old Testament books, they j- even Leviticus, they, they get kind of thrown to the side and dismissed. But the important thing to remember is that this history is now our history uh, because of God has, you know, adopted us into his family. Mm-hmm. So, all right, uh, Phil, it looks like, you know, we talked about the things that gave us hope. Um, we, y- you, right off the bat, told us about the uh, Anakites, is that right? And the Nephilim, yeah, you dug deep into right. that and uh, gave us some really awesome insights. Is there anything that you want to mention before we go on a, a quick break to wrap it up with application? Um, there's one, one more thing that I was, I was searching around and, uh, and use my concordance and everything when I was prepping for this and I still didn't get a whole lot of clarification. So I'm going to have to ask somebody way smarter than me. Um, and maybe you know about this. Maybe uh, Alex. I, I'm it's, so uh, smart. Chapter seven. Well, you are chapter seven, <laughs> verse 20. Um, right. I'm looking turn, turn over there. It says, are you there? There. It, say, it says, moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until even the survivors who hide from you have perished. Now, the hornet um, also comes up in Exodus chapter 23 and Joshua chapter 24. And when I went there, um, they, they all kind of cross-referenced each other. So there's, there's, there's some sort of a spiritual force um, that God is going to use in order to bring these people to nothing so the Israelites can, can inherit this land. And I, and I don't know what the hornet is. Is um, it not like a, uh, you know, a massive swarm of bees? I, I don't know. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't that know. relates to the, you know, the plagues, like the locust and the, um, what is it, the frogs. So yeah. did you look into the, the original word? I, I haven't yet. No, okay. I, my uh, my um, my bee dag is is I don't know where that is. That's the uh, the um, vocabulary, the dictionary for the Hebrew. Um, yeah. But you're right. I should. I will look into that, and maybe we can put a little um, asterisk in the notes once you post this. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Now the people are dying, Phil, to know. Right. What, well, what the hornets I, I wish, are. You asked me what was confusing. That's what. That I, is I, confusing. <laughs> You've confused me now, because I just thought I, I was just like, oh, hornets, and uh, maybe I read too quickly that I didn't even notice it. But hornets, maybe just actual hornets, you know, like bumblebees or wasps or something, um, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. God actually means what He says here for once. Could um, be, but <laughs> it was no, not capitalized I'm or sorry, anything. Yeah, so it, I didn't mean it, it might like not that. be a might not be a, a proper name, but the yeah. hornet. Uh, I just okay. I don't know. Well, you're gonna have to look that up, and maybe I'll have to have you on the show again a month from now or two months from now, and the people will just will get the most listens and subscriptions <laughs> after that episode because they're gonna be wondering what are the hornets in Deuteronomy chapter seven verse twenty. Uh, but yeah. that would be something for the for people to kind of look into if they're uh, interested in that. Uh, basically, yeah. it I, I don't know. I, I look at it and I say, well, I guess God is just accomplishing his will once again. He's uh, 
taking full measures to do what he wants, and he's always going to—he uh, he invites us to be a part of it, but if we're not going to carry out his will, he's going to accomplish it without us. Amen. There you go. That's some, some application, but we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Grow Up and Talk after our short break. And as you know, on this show, what we mean by a break is just a little bit of time. And basically, there's like one-tenth of the episode left to finish. We originally designed the break to be a halfway point, but that never happened. Uh, But (laughs) what we need to talk about right now is how do you see this section of Scripture having importance to our lives today? Yeah, I think this is a really great question. Um, We've already talked a little bit about how we can put ourselves in in the shoes of the ancient Israelites as they're wandering around and hearing these words. You've been connecting this to Jesus on the cross a lot, which I think is super responsible and and needed. Um, Well, somebody has to be responsible. If I'm going to, right, if I'm going (laughs) to, yeah, and it can't be me. Um, uh, if, if I'm gonna, um, if I'm gonna just add to that and not repeat myself, um, I think it's the hope part, um, as far as, is having overall importance, um, in our lives today, uh, there are, there are super confusing parts in, in these eight chapters. Um, but, but God's love and the care for his people is, is made so explicit. I mean, it, it's just, it's evident when, you know, in in verses one through four, you know, sort of this preamble and this this history when Moses is is saying, "Hey, this is what happened. You guys remember it. Um, let's all kind of debrief this and see. Look, God has 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 brought us to this to this point, and now we're ready to move forward. And this is how. Yeah. Um, and and why are we doing this? Why is God doing this? Because He loves us. Yep. Um. Yeah, this is this is how God wants to be known to his people is that he loves them. And that's huge. Um, That's how God wants to be known to us. Um, When God makes a promise, he remembers it. And 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 there's even a place in, in chapter two where the Israelites are are commanded not to encroach in certain areas because God had promised those particular plots of land. To somebody else. Hmm. So it's not like they come in and they, they smash right. and grab everything on their way. No, God God remembers his promises even so much as he protects other people from his own people. Hmm. Um, and, and, so, and so, you know, I think the implications of that are, are just huge. When God makes, his, makes a promise, there is nothing that will get in his way um, to, to make good on that promise. Nice. Um, and the good news is, is that whenever God promises something, it's because he loves us. Amen. Amen, Phil. Can I get a hallelujah? Amen. <laughs> Very nice. I like the amens. Yeah. Yeah. Not the hallelujah. Um, I like the hallelujah, too. Yeah. Okay. All it right. just takes a little bit longer to say. 
<laughs> yes, um, I am going to push my agenda for right now for teaching kids the faith. Um, and I think that is what I see this section of Scripture having overall importance uh, in regard to having spiritual conversations within our households. And this is, you know, I, I certainly learned and grew a lot in my faith because of, of people in my life who mentored me, who uh, directed me, who taught me things, who walked with me. And this is what God is talking about in chapter 6 when he's saying, you know, talk about this this, uh, this truth about who I am and what I've done for you. Talk about this. Remember this when you lie down and when you get up and when you walk on the way and when you eat at your table and dinner and when your kids ask you questions, answer those questions. And my three-and-a-half-year-old son asks me really tough questions sometimes. He's way <laughs> too smart for his own good. But, it, you know, everyone is a theologian, and theolo- theology is just God talk. So everyone does theology. And so God calls us, every single person, to be a theologian, especially those who are um, tasked with being teachers of, of children, uh, younger children, uh, high school age children, you know, everything in between as well. Um, and I really think that's important is that as a family, it's important to remember together within our household and within our congregation how God has been faithful to us in the history of our time together. And not only that, but we remember that this history is our history. He was faithful to the Israelites, faithful to his people through Jesus, and he's faithful to us even today. And it's, it is really good to point to where we see God working in our lives today. Um, and so I think that's something that we've maybe lost uh, the practice of, but it's always good maybe as a family you after dinner or during dinner you say hey where have you seen god at work this week and ha- and practice having those spiritual conversations together because the more we do that the more regular the more habitual it's going to be and uh so i i think that's important and that this history in deuteronomy is not uh irrelevant uh to us so anyways that is yeah i'll give i'll give an amen to that too amen <laughs> amen yeah. Hallelujah. That probably spiked the <laughs> microphone way too high. Sorry, Emily. Uh, but anyways, uh, Phil, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm going to ask you a, a random question, as is our tradition here on Grow Up and Talk. So this, All right. this pandemic has has been going on for a while. We've been in, in quarantine, you know, lockdown, whatever you want to call it, shelter in place. We're not really supposed to go out. Things are closed. So my question to you is, if you could have one hour where all of this pandemic stuff, quarantine, just disappeared and went away and, and it was not a thing, it didn't exist for one hour of time, what would you do with that one hour of, oh, of pandemic-free existence? Well, we are in South Texas, and it's getting up into the upper 90s. Um, I love that you asked this question. My wife and I were just talking about that. Like her question was, if we could have one day where ah. everything was back to normal, what would it be? But one hour, I think I'll stay stay the same. Um, I'd, I'd take my family to the the closest water park uh, mm. and just have a blast for an hour. I think 
Nice. Um, I, I don't know. Was I? I'm a, I'm a pastor. Was I supposed to say, uh, you know, open up the, no. the churches for one hour of, of, of worship? I don't know. No, that's not what <laughs> that, I would do. Sorry, that's everyone, what I'm looking. But... I'm looking forward to that too. But, uh, but <laughs> of if, but course, of honest... course, yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer: There's yeah. another asterisk for our episode right. description, right? <laughs> yep. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. I think I'd just, well, obviously do something that I can't do right now. Actually, you know what I would do? I would get some people together and play a board game, everyone together. I love to play board games. We have a game night at our church uh, that's supposed to happen once a month. hasn't been happening. And uh, I enjoy playing board games most often when there's more than two players. Okay, but but that that begs the other question: is you only have an hour, so yes. what board what board game are you going to play? Ooh, because um, mm. you can't play Risk, you can't play Settlers no. of Catan. I'm, I think right? I'm going to go with Wingspan. Well, okay. I can play Wingspan with my wife on my. Oh, I guess I can play all the games. Um, hmm, I don't know. I'm going to go with. Ah, um, oh, man, either Wingspan, which is a game about. You know, bird watching. It's very fun. It's a very unique theme to the game, but it's, okay. it's it's really fun. Or Agricola, which is a farming game, and that's actually probably my all-time favorite game. And okay. So I just love to play with more than two people. So. Well, soon you uh, you'll have to pack up your board game and uh, and bring it over to my house, and we'll. Uh, we'll Are play you some. a gamer, you'll, Phil? You, you can you can introduce me to these new ones. Oh. Uh, you know yeah. what? A uh, couple of my friends. Um, from seminary have gotten together on, on this online platform and we're doing a Sunday night Dungeons and Dragons and I'd never oh. played it before. <laughs> I don't, I know that there might be some people who are a little bit um, older who have heard bad things about Dungeons and Dragons. We just, we just <laughs> play around. Which part? Uh, the dungeon part or the dragon part? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that back in like the yeah, 70s no, I know. and 80s there were crazy people <laughs> who were taking it too far and um, and put put a bad rap on it, but yeah, uh, maybe I yeah. I know some people who uh, do D and D as it is called uh, or Dungeons uh-huh. and Dragons. Uh, I've never played that myself. I've been interested, you know, but I've definitely wanted to uh, get into some more of those like deeper or heavy gaming. Um, I, I think that would be fun. That that's yeah. cool. So you ne- you've never played before. I had never played Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, oh, you have I, now. You mean I have now? Yeah, oh, I, wow. I didn't. Okay. I didn't used to, but uh, you know, it's the pandemic era, man. So got to find something to do. <laughs> well, that's what my a, friends were doing. So <laughs> there is a game out there called. Uh, is it called Pandemic? Oh, pandemic? I don't know. I think it is called Pandemic. Oh, man, I can't remember. All right, well, it's time to end this episode. If you have uh, <laughs> questions, you can email those into growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com. This is Alex and Phil. Thanks for being on the show today. It was an amazing discussion. And thanks for having me, and thanks to everybody who's uh, listening to this. Um, really appreciate it and uh, look forward to uh, to hearing it and being able to, to share this as well. And thank you, uh, Pastor Alex, for um, inviting me and for getting this all together, man. You're doing a you're doing a really great job. Yeah, thank you, brother. Really appreciate it. And uh, stay safe, everyone. We will see you next time. Peace. <laughs>